On a daily basis, I consume enough drugs to sedate Manhattan, Long Island, and Queens for a month. I take Quaaludes 10 to 15 times a day for my back pain, Adderall to stay focused, Xanax to take the edge off, pot to mellow me out, cocaine to wake me back up again, and morphine. Well, because it's awesome. But of all the drugs under God's blue heaven, here is one that is my absolute favorite. See, enough of this shit will make you invincible, able to conquer the world. I'm talking about the greatest movie of all time podcast. This time, we're doing The Wolf of Wall Street. The greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me Welcome to the greatest movie of all time podcast. I am your play-by-play co-host, the Big Deck Boski, of course. And with me is my co-host, Gia Smith, my wife. How you doing, Gia? Doing all right. All right. We're going to watch every single movie ever made and decide which movie is the greatest of all time. But this week, we have a first. Finally, my cousin, Anthony Wozniak, the Woz himself. Anthony, what's going on? How you doing? Thanks for having me. I'm so glad we're finally doing this. We've talked about it for like a year that you're going to come on the show. Now we have you on and you're going to be doing a lot more with us going forward. We're going to have a lot of fun. Um, But today we are talking The Wolf of Wall Street. But before we get to that, last week and the week before was our two-part finale of season two. I hope you all enjoyed that. Um, It was literally a three-hour episode that I had to edit into two separate episodes. That is going to be... Uh, a ton of fun when you listen to that. A lot of arguments, a lot of people shitting on me for my views, <laughs> but I uh, hope you enjoyed it. So please check those episodes out and any episode in our catalog. We are on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever app you want to use. Please subscribe and review if you can. It's very helpful for the show. Let us know what you think on social media. Start an argument with us. Agree with us. Give us suggestions. Punch me in the face physically. And mentally, I don't care. Just let me know what you think. You can find us at the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast on Facebook, Greatest Movie Pod on Instagram, at Great Movie Cast on Twitter, which I have yet to update recently because I suck. And you can always send us an email at greatestmoviepod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you and please tell your friends about us. And as our waspy, weaselly vice president of our company always says, smoke crack with me, bro. <laughs> the Wolf of Wall Street is a 2013 biography, comedy, crime drama, film directed by the great Martin Scorsese. That's right, Chris Bonapani, Scorsese. I know Martin Scorsese says his name is Martin Scorsese, but he says his own fucking name wrong. The budget was $100 million and made $392 million worldwide. Not too shabby. It stars Leonardo DiCaprio as Jordan Belfort, Jonah Hill as Donnie Azoff, and Margot Robbie as Naomi LaPaglia. It has an 8.2 on IMDb, a 75 on Metacritic, and an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, not my favorite grades. I think those are kind of low, honestly. But let's take a uh, look at some of the reviews this film garnered. I actually uh, ignored Ebert. I don't know if he died at this point or not, but if everybody who listens to the show knows I have a, uh, a problem with Ebert and all of his shitty reviews. Um, yeah. Let's see. Chris Stuckman, who I actually really like. If you, if you guys don't know who Chris Stuckman is on YouTube, he does a really cool um, 
he has a show where he, you know, criticizes movies and it's, it's really funny. He's got a great personality. Chris Duckman says DiCaprio's powerhouse performance and Scorsese's brilliantly energetic direction make this a must watch for film lovers. A negative review comes from Melissa Anderson from Art Forum. She says Scorsese's hard, hard R portrayal of Belfort and company's insatiable appetites for money, for whores, for drugs, for stuff pierces until it numbs. Melissa Anderson, you can go fuck yourself. All right. Okay. Yeah. I, she sucks. I don't, I don't know who she is, but I know she's listening to the show. And if you are, Melissa, just fuck off. All right. Now, new category we have here is called Rick's Report. As you all know, my co-host for over 100 episodes, Rick Barrasso, Rick himself, is no longer the co-host of the show. He did, in fact, have offspring with his wife. He is tending to that right now. Congratulations to you and your offspring. Um, but Rick's Report is uh, a new category where Rick is just going to give me one line on how he feels about the movie. So I did get a quote from Rick, and he says, the second most coked out movie the show has done after Willy Wonka, also Leo's funniest movie. I agree with you, Rick. Uh, definitely a funny movie. And uh, now we come to a category that I'm not looking forward to too much, and that is the 30-second summary. Gia, put 30 seconds on the clock for me, and I'm going to ramble for 30 seconds about <laughs> what this movie is about. Uh, last couple of weeks, uh, or last couple of episodes when we did this, it, it hasn't been fun for me because I, I stumble a lot, but I'll do the best that I can. You got this. I have faith in you. When All I right. stop, when I stop talking, you can just end it because I don't know if I'm going to last 30 seconds. It's kind of an easy movie to talk about. <laughs> okay. Uh, very true. All right. On the count of three, one, two, three, go. The Wolf of Wall Street is a movie about Jordan Belfort who rises to uh, fa fame, I guess, and, and, and money when he becomes a stockbroker and he fucks people out of their money and he's very shady and does a lot of slimy things and his company uh, sells like penny stocks and uh, Belfort gets into dr heavy, heavy drugs, a lot of crime, uh, and then he gets what's coming to him at the end, which is prison, and then he comes out and becomes a spokesperson. And um, All right, so 28 seconds. <laughs> a terrible, terrible job. All right. You explained it decently well. Yeah. All right. So, Anthony. Anthony Wozniak himself. What Do you remember seeing this movie for the first time? Yes. So, let, let me get into that. So this is kind of an interesting story. Not interesting, but I mean, it's, this was one of the first movies where, uh, so I saw it in the theater, um, huge Martin Scorsese fan. And I wanted to go into this movie without knowing anything, mm -hmm. which is because I've, I've done that in the past where like, uh, for instance, a like Quentin Tarantino movie is probably one of my favorite directors. And when, I'd always look at, I'd always watch every trailer, look at, look stuff up like, you know, years if I could in advance and follow everything. And then by the time I watched the movie, it's still great, but I feel like there's a little bit missing mm -hmm. if you, if you go into it, knowing too much about it. Mm. Yep. Um, but I did the opposite here and I think it, like, it backfired for me. I went into this not knowing it was a true story, which is weird because most of his movies you know, are adapted to, you know, true stories. Yeah, right? ba those, based on real stuff, yeah. Yeah, most of the time. I mean, you get some one-offs like Shutter Islands, stuff like that, like, you know what I mean? But, I mean, for the most part, he takes interesting stories and he just wants, he wants to tell it in his way, you know? So it's, um, you know, you know, true stories. And I didn't know the whole time I was watching it, and I'm thinking, I'm like, he's being very specific. This 
this is probably a true story. And now the movie was great, but I think if I went into it knowing it was a true story, it, it would have blew me away. Mm-hmm. Way, like more, you know what I mean? But I mean, the movie still did blow me away. I still, it's, it's still, you know, I, I think it's aging well and it's a, you know, a timeless movie. Yeah, I, I do the same thing. Um, I do the same thing with music and movies. If there's a band that I really like or, or a director I really like or actors I really like, I go into it being like, I can't wait for this. And, and that right away makes it seem like the movie's just not going to really get to where I want it to be. And it really sucks, especially when, you know, especially for music for me, when like a band hasn't put an album out in five years, they put an album out, they've been working on for years, it comes out and you're like, ah, I like three songs out of 14. That's not what I want. And it sucks. Um, especially with movies, same thing, like, or TV shows. Like I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. I'm watching House of the Dragon right now. Luckily, that show has uh, been right where my expectations wanted it to be. Um, but yeah, I totally get that. And it's going forward, especially with the new It movies that came out. I'm a big fan of the uh, Tim Curry mm-hmm. adaptation in the early 90s. And I loved that as a kid. And then when I saw these It movies, me and Gia were like, here we go. And we were so let down. Um, so going forward, I think I'm going to go into things and being like, well, I hope this is good. And maybe that'll help. <laughs> Mm. Um, but and I don't yeah. take anything away from the kids in that movie because they did an amazing job. Like, no, the kids did amazing, but uh, you know, overwhelmingly, the movies didn't really match what I wanted them to match. Our, yeah, right. But Gia, when did you uh, see this movie? I don't. I honestly don't remember seeing this for the first time. But I obviously saw it with you because. Right. Did we go to yeah. the movies to see this? I, I like don't remember. This is something I feel like we would be anticipating because you know we're big Scorsese and DiCaprio fans. So I yeah. I mean, I, if we didn't see it there, then maybe we got it on DVD or something or saw it on TV. Uh, but no, we definitely saw it without commercials or anything, because why would we do that to ourselves? Right. I have a really bad memory. I and mean, this was only nine years ago, and I don't remember how, like, when or how we saw this. Well, I mean, only nine doesn't, it, that, that's a long time. So <laughs> well, I, I can't remember what I did yesterday. So 2013 doesn't seem like a long time ago. If you tell me what happened in 1995, that's a little bit different. But it was 2014, um, wasn't it? Uh, I have it listed on IMDb as a 2013 movie. Okay. Um, but all the years just blend in together for me. So yeah, yeah, same for me. But let's let's talk about our three top favorite scenes. Anthony, let's start with you. Uh, what is your number three favorite scene from this movie? Yeah. Okay. So I, I keep going back and forth. I. This, I say this almost in every episode that we do, which is kind of a cop-out, but literally for this one, while we were watching it last night, I literally turned to G and was like, I can fucking list any of these scenes as my favorites. It's so hard. Yeah. Yeah, like, I, I feel like, like the three that I chose are all equal, but like for the, for the sake of the show, like I guess I, I have to choose. You know what I mean? Yep, so, yep, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I guess, I guess the number, th- number three favorite scene would be Donnie. Um, and Jordan meeting for the first time in the diner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And it's just for a couple of reasons. You know, it, it really, um, the character, Donnie's character from the get-go, which is, which is kind of something that you don't see often in a supporting character. He, can't, he really, I mean, he's on, he's on screen with Leonardo DiCaprio, and he stole the scene. He was the one that you remember from that scene. Yep. And he, because he was the one who, he came out guns blazing being like, you know what? I wish I did that in my life at some point. Yeah. Everybody's afraid to just put their cards on the table. Right. And um, 
do something that courageous, but to just go up to somebody and say, how much do you make? Yeah, it's pretty you know awkward. I mean? and, and, but he does it in a smooth way. You know, he, what did he do at the beginning? He, you could learn a lot from him, like the way he did it. He broke the ice by being funny, right? He says, you know, we, we live in the same building. You know, I'm the one with the two kids, ugly wife. Yeah. Let's, you know what I mean? So they share a laugh together and lets his guard down. Yep. If he didn't do that, Leo probably would have been like, dude, get, get the fuck away from me. Yeah, exactly. It was great how they wrote that in there. Like, uh, I don't know if, you know what I mean? Whoever the writer was, you know, it was a perfect dialogue to be like, okay, if this is how they really met, you got to break the ice and you got to do it in a funny way or you're going to scare the guy off. He's going to think you're a creep. Yeah. So he did it perfectly. And then he just comes out with, you show me a pay stub right now. For seventy-two thousand dollars, I quit my job right now and I work for you. Just so, so ballsy, and he <laughs> meant it. And he stole the scene. For you to steal the scene from Leo, I'm sorry. I mean, like that. It's impressive. It, it's unbelievable, and I, I, I think that people like. I mean, if you really overlook that scene, you got to watch it again. I mean, it's just. And I'm mean, sometimes I, I go back and forth. Like that could be my number one scene. I don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And, and you make a good point. And especially Jonah Hill's career up to this point, I think like 2007 was super bad. That was probably like the first movie people were like, okay, that was a very memorable Jonah Hill role. He was so funny in it. But then in 2012, he gets a supporting uh, actor Oscar um, uh, for, for, for Moneyball. And he, his yeah. performance is, if you think about it, it's a good performance and it's memorable, but like, Oscar worthy. We did the episode previously on the show and we were looking at the year 2012 and we were kind of surprised at how many movies really didn't come out that year. Like it was kind of a weak year for movies yet. Moneyball is a, is a, a movie that I would just watch every week too. I love that movie. Me too. But Jonah Hill, he finds out Scorsese's adapting this and he finds out DiCaprio and you know, this is part of my, mis my miscellaneous for later, but I'll say it now, but Jonah Hill was like, I will take a $60,000 payment to play, to yep. be in this movie with you. It just goes to show you like jo you. Jonah, this was the best move of his fucking career. And Tony he, uh, he demanded to, uh, to audition for it, not just meet with my yep. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And, and, you know, Jonah Hill, he, he really shows his skill in this movie and going forward, everything he does now is like a little bit more, uh, premiere than his other stuff and so yeah that, that was the best move of his career and that's a great that's a great scene um gia what's your third favorite scene um honestly I, I i wrote down a couple so i'm gonna have to be a piece of shit and do a tie because it's the same as anthony's um meeting johnny for the first time and him quitting his job but i also tagged in them doing crack together because it's just they're both it's it, just them alone they're you know at the diner uh it's just hysterical he's like come on do crack with me <laughs> and just like the acting between the two of them with his bright ass teeth and uh <laughs> all the noises leo are yeah it's just hysterical i couldn't just pick one there was too many to pick from yeah definitely and and we're going to talk about that scene uh going forward as well um uh, but my number three is uh <laughs> I, I just wrote down hilfa um because <laughs> that whole segment when they're on the airplane is just one of the funniest scenes in a movie i've ever seen especially like you know scorsese and tarantino do this thing where like i don't think they're ever meant to go out and and do comedy they're really not it's these dramas that just have so much great comedy in them it's like the sopranos you right. never you never really say oh yeah that's a comedy it's not a comedy but there's they blend comedy and drama so well together in the sopranos and Scorsese and Tarantino do the same thing in their movies. And like in this airplane mm -hmm. scene, like the dialogue between them is so excellent. And, you know, DiCaprio is like, 
tied up in his seat. And Jonah Hill's like, you call, you, you call the pile the N-word who's very upset. And like just the way he delivers the lines and, and, and Leo is just like, <laughs> get me out of here. Like, you know, he's just like singing him a song. It's just, and they show the flashback yeah. of what actually happened. And it's just fucking chaos. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then the whole, like, I love the Hilfa thing because it becomes a little inside joke between the two of them that they do later. Mm-hmm. When they're in the car in Switzerland, they just look like, oh, Hilfa, they say it again. And <laughs> I love that little, that little, like, um, callback. Callback, yeah, because like that's what I do with my friends, mm-hmm. and like you know what I mean. It's so realistic. Like that's what friends do. They do callbacks to old stupid jokes that nobody gets. And I yeah. thought it was really great that they added that. A very very small thing that I noticed, um, but that whole sequence is hysterical to me. So, but uh, Anthony, what's your uh, what's your number two? So, uh, you know what? I'm, if I'm gonna go number two, I'm gonna do the scene where. Leo, oh, it's so tough here. Wow. It's it's so okay. So I I I don't know. Okay, so I was gonna go with you know because he has like three famous speeches in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and at first I was gonna say like my favorite is, you know, I'm not even going. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say my second favorite scene is when he's gathering the troops, and. He's announcing that he's going to um, give that girl ten thousand dollars to shave her head. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, that's the scene where you see Leo. You just have to okay. You have to imagine that room at the time. How crazy that atmosphere must have been. And you know what? They captured it completely. Yep. You've never seen an office environment that crazy when the guys just come in and the, you know, playing the trumpets and the, and then the, the, the strippers come in the music that they chose for it, Leo's delivery. It almost like you could sometimes when you see Leo, you know, in, in this movie, you know, you're looking at Leonardo DiCaprio, you know what I mean? But in that scene, when he's, He's talking when he's got the wall, that glass wall behind him, and he's like, "She already has C cups, but now she wants fucking double D's." Like <laughs> you were looking, you were looking at Jordan Belfort. Like I didn't feel like I was watching Leo at all. I mean, that was he was so in character. Mm-hmm. Like he was just in the zone, and you you really kept, like that was the moment when you they captured like, okay, this is not a you know. Um, a normal work environment. It's not a no- normal work environment, or not even a normal um, stock room at the time. Like this, these guys were doing something completely different than anybody on Wall Street, and they had to capture it in a certain way, and they did. They nailed it. And Leo, just the Leo, like in his eyes, like the way he was yelling, and th- you could just tell, like he he was above everybody else. There was nobody. You know what I mean? It was just, I don't know. They just they just captured it like perfectly. And like that, that really, and it's funny because I would, I, I, one of these days I want to read the book and I want to kind of see what was exaggerated and what wasn't. Right. And, and you know, but, but I just, I get the feeling the reason why you kind of, you kind of, the reason, and the reason why to me, it's my second favorite scene maybe is because this is why it became a movie. Not because he was good at sales. It was the craziness of it. Yeah. Oh. Right. Do you mean like, it separated him from all everybody else in Wall Street. Right. Like, it, this, it, this yeah. is why the this is why like the, the you know like 
I don't know if you knew this, but like Leonardo DiCaprio, he was the one that wanted this movie to be made. Right. He was the one who read this book in 2007 and like it was talking about Martin Scorsese for years. Like this is the movie we have to make. We have to make this. We have to make this. We have to get it approved. And it was because of this atmosphere. I, to me, when, when Leo is bringing this up to Martin Scorsese and wants this movie to be made, he's thinking about this scene. He's thinking about this moment. Right. He's thinking about that character in that scene. Not necessarily like the scene with the, with the girlfriend and all that. That's just kind of like a sub, like a, that's not why we're watching it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the reason right. what captured him was, wow, this is a crazy environment. And we and like, I, I need to dive into this character and, and Martin Scorsese has to be the one to like, to deliver it. You yeah. Know, like, this, this, yeah. To and, me, and, that's, that's why like the, the movie was made. Yeah. And this scene actually kind of reminds me of, um, we just recently did Citizen Kane on this podcast and I had seen it for the first time. And it reminded me of a scene from Citizen Kane uh, where the, the whole company is going crazy and there's music being played. And I'm wondering if Martin Scorsese took influence in how to film that shot from this movie. Um, I, I got to send you the clip at some point so you can kind of compare and contrast the way Orson Welles films this as well. Um, but yeah, it, it's a, the way DiCaprio delivers the lines too. It's just like, it's so over the top, but it's not overacting either. Um, mm -hmm. He finds such a great middle ground. But yeah, yeah. You're right. Um, what Gia? What's your second favorite scene? Um, I know I, I'm struggling to to just pick. I, I literally I, I kind of numbered them, but then I was like, there's like an extra four in there, so I'm like, mm. uh, yeah. Um, but I'm gonna say it's a combination. <laughs> Not that any of these scenes really have one thing to do with the other, but um, I just I love the scene where uh, the fight between. Um, Naomi and Jordan uh, when he's in bed and yeah. water in his face and he's like, don't you dare, don't you dare. <laughs> <laughs> Stop flexing, Jordan. You look like a freaking imbecile. I love yeah. the, the exchange between the two of them is just phenomenal. Um, but then I also wanted to throw in the scene where the um, yacht is like in the storm and just that that whole sequence of like, I'm a master diver. Like, because the last time we saw Leo on a boat, he fucking sank at the Titanic. But you know what I mean? Like, well, he actually, he, no, sorry, but he actually, uh, he, he pays homage to Titanic when he puts his arms around her and says, I got you. It's the same thing in Titanic. I, um, <laughs> I read that. I read that a little bit earlier in the really? uh, in the trivia. So he, he pays homage to Titanic in that moment. Nice. That's so funny. Um, but yeah, and then like get the loots, Danny. I, <laughs> I will not die sober. Like oh my god, just <laughs> it's one of my favorite scenes. Just yeah, yeah. Th that that's definitely an inside joke too. Like we. Like the way he says, get the lewds. <laughs> He's so raspy at that point. He's like a fucking full-blown drug addict. Um, and then also we were watching it last night and we were like, how the fuck did they survive that? Like, what? Yeah. Uh, when the water crashes through like the main part, you're like, okay, are they dead? It's there like, that, like floating raft. And I'm like, how did they manage to get in the raft? With and, the then and then he sees the airplane and blows up. And he's like, did you see that? <laughs> um, yeah, great, great scene. Uh, my number two was, was a scene we'd already brought up, and that was Smoke Crack with me. Um, I, this is one of those moments where if I feel down during the week, if I'm like working and I just like don't feel good or physically or mentally, that's a scene I'll just go to YouTube and watch to make me feel better. Because <laughs> of the sound effects, the way they look at each other, and just 
the first moment when when Leo smokes that that pipe and he just like looks like he's gonna he's getting really angry and then he lightens up and he's just like wow <laughs> wow and then Jonah's face with that smile in the eyes and so then good. let's go fucking run like the lions and tigers and bears like for me I I looked over to Gia and I just said I get I I was just like I bet you crack is fucking awesome. <laughs> I don't know why I said that out loud, but I was like, not that I'd ever try it, but I'm like, man, that's probably just what it feels like as Leo's response to that. Exactly. Plus, I know they had Jordan Belfort on the set during the movie. So mm-hmm. I think Jordan did give them a lot of what actually happened. Anthony, you had mentioned before, like what exactly was true? What was like, you know, what did they, you know, what did they do to make the movie better by adding extra stuff? Jordan was there to tell them all the shenanigans. So I think marty really put in what jordan said maybe a little bit extra but anyways uh what is your um number one scene anthony oh god I it's it's so funny because like i i literally can't choose i mean it's like the one that i just gave you like that could be number one or like it's oh. right yeah it's it like, i have two other i have two other favorite scenes you could make you could do a tie if you want to yeah, uh, I feel like I have to choose. No, no, I, I, mean, I, I we cheat. We cheat time. every week. We're always just like, oh, now here's a four way tie for number one. Ah, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, all right. So, I guess uh, maybe this. Maybe I'm gonna have to tie this one. I, I, I really don't want to. And then maybe as like I maybe when I'm saying it, maybe I'll I'll, I'll choose one over the other. But, um. The scene where uh, so many, the scene when he's um, teaching the guys like how to cold call, like mm-hmm. yeah, because that's showing you know why he's better than everybody else, mm-hmm. you know, and he's not, you know, like he, it wasn't just that, and and it kind of ties into the my the, the other scene I'm going to mention. He's not just there to be a good salesman. Anybody can follow orders. He's there to be a role model and teach these guys. Right. Even if some of these guys are actually better on the phone. No, they needed the guy who could kind of command the troops. You know what I mean? Yep. Mm -hmm. And the way he kind of, he's like cold calling that guy. And they're all laughing in the background because you know what happened like that. You know, they were all standing in the background and they're they're cracking up. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, um, um. 8,000, great. What, better make it 10. He's like, oh, 10,000, that's great. You know what I mean? He just, he did it with such ease. Mm-hmm. And they just follow in his every move. Um, but then, like, the, the other scene that, like, I, I mean, it's, and it's probably everybody's favorite scene, but it's when he gives him this, when he's given that speech and he's like, he's like, does your girlfriend think you're a fucking worthless loser? Pick up the phone and start dialing. I want you to deal with your problems by becoming rich. <laughs> But that was his job. He had to fire people up, you know, and, and he did it in a way that was so unorthodox. I think like on a microphone, just standing up and everybody's cheering. And I mean, like he said that he goes like, it was like a, like a snake pit. It was just, uh, and they, they really, I mean, Leo did a fantastic job and Scorsese just set in the tone. Like the whole room must've been, you just felt like the whole room was on Coke. Like you like it was crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, there's just those two scenes. I mean, like I, I just go back and forth 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was another scene I, I didn't mention, but like still up there. But you guys go. Uh, Gia, what's your number one? Uh, my number one scene is uh, the entire scene where the lemons have kicked in. Uh, so when they're on the ludes that, you know, he has to go to the country club to talk to the guy on the phone, the lawyer, um, and then realizing that he's in a completely like different state of feeling and, you know, the, he got the cerebral palsy phase of the drugs where he can't even walk. Um, and just, you're hearing his inner thoughts up until going back home and the, the, the scene between him and Donnie and the phone and the, (laughs) every time the, the cord snapped at one of them was, I just, I die laughing every single time. It's so great. Uh, and then just finally getting out like Brad and then like, he's choking on the, the lunch meat. And then seeing the Popeye on the TV and then realizing he needs to then snort Coke to get out of the the lemons and oh it just it's just an insane scene. Just so great. Yeah, it's so yeah, good too. Like the, the 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 Popeye thing with the spinach, it's just so freaking funny. Mm-hmm. Um such a good job there. So my number one, um it's it's a tie as well, and it's basically the ultimate Scorsese scenes. And it was easy for me because Scorsese always has his montages. I know what you're going to say. And I, I have a tie between when the first time there's a montage is when that French song plays, that like Beach Boy French song, like, like that song. And he's getting caught and he's like, what the fuck? I'm trying to make a fucking living. And then like, he, you, you just see what's happening. Everyone's getting arrested. Fucking Rugrats getting caught with the Swiss, the Swiss guy. Um, and uh, Benny fucking Hanna, why? <laughs> like that narration is phenomenal. I love the Scorsese sequence, you know, and then I love the other one as well with the Lemonheads doing Mrs. Robinson. Excellent. It's like mm-hmm. now the, the, what was the, the quote, uh, the chickens have come home to roost is like the real moment of like, now everything is being ripped to shreds and uh, the office is being ransacked. Everyone's getting arrested left and right. And then finally you see like the, uh, the detective on the train sweating his balls off, just like, you know, Leo said earlier in the movie that it was going to happen. And I was like, man, like Marty really knows his craft so well. And his montages are the things that I always look forward to the most. I mean, just going back and like thinking about the, the one in Goodfellas with uh, Layla by Eric Clapton and everyone, everyone's dead and Carbone in the meat truck. And then you got um, in Casino, uh, House of the Rising Sun and everyone's getting fucking killed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the, the, the Scorsese mm-hmm. montage is like what I always look forward to. So that's, uh, th- that, those are my number one scenes combined, I guess. The, nice. um, the other, the other Scorsese montage, um, that, that I thought you were going to mention was when the loots kicked in and, he, and, uh, Donnie, when he goes up, oh, the loots kicking in with Donnie right now and it's in slow motion. Oh, I love that scene. That was, that was Scorsese all the way. And it shows like the close-ups of like the, the balls going into the bear cops and the shoe hitting the pool table. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. It's yeah, so like that's that Scorsese all the way. Yeah, and like I love when he does that, like especially the music he uses in scenes. Like I know this doesn't happen too much in this movie, but one thing to just bring up about Marty in general is when like in in, in mafia movies, especially, he uses like these like doo-wop songs while everyone's getting fucking shot to death by machine guns. I think he was the first one to like really mesh music like that with with really graphic scenes. But you know, yeah, Jonah well. Jonah Hill's just getting up from his seat. In his like drug tirade, and the, mu- the music in the background is like, oh, 
no, no, no. Like, it's very intense. And, like, he's so good at making it, like, funny and serious at the same time. Um, it's just fucking... I mean, and, and like you said before, like, Scorsese and Tarantino are probably my top two directors of all time, in, in my yeah. opinion. There's a, I mean, I can't say that... I can't say that Spielberg's not my number three, because that would be insane, but... There's a, there's a ton of good, great directors, but m- something about the way Martin Scorsese puts a movie together, you know you're going to get an epic every fucking time. It's almost like a sure thing that it's going to be epic. Um, but anyways, let's jump yeah. on to the uh, our worst uh, part of the movie. This could be a scene you didn't like, a tone you didn't like, an actor who you thought phoned it in. It could be anything Wait, like that. Before, before we do that, Tarek, yeah. I'm surprised that nobody mentioned at least one of the top three scenes. That, um, I'm surprised out of three people, nobody mentioned the scene when he walks into the investor center for the first time and he does his first folk, his first cold call. Yeah, I, and, like, and like I said, like that I th- was because I went back and forth. I'm like, I watched that scene all the time. Yeah, that's a great like, scene, and and I, it's it's tough. This this was a really tough one because like every scene in the movie is is classic. That's true. Yeah, yeah. you know every and every that showed, scene, like, yeah. how talented he was, and he was like. He goes, yeah, everybody in the, he goes, I just, he goes, I just made two grand just like that. Everybody else in the room thought I just invented fire. Yeah. And I, I love, I love the little cameos and like Spike Jones in that scene. And yeah. like, oh, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a free blowjob, but I hope you do it. Like, I love, I love yeah, the, and I hope it happens. <laughs> and I hope it happens. <laughs> like, it's funny if, funny enough, uh, Spike Jones was actually in Moneyball with Jonah Hill too. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Yep. The, uh, the, the stepdad. The stepdad. Yeah. Who like yeah. doesn't, he doesn't know like the baseball players' names and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, great stuff. This is going to be hard because the worst part of a Scorsese movie, what does that really look like? If you guys want, I'll start it off just so I can give you guys an idea. Um, and this is kind of, I think maybe I'm phoning in a little bit because I think Marty does a great job of explaining things to us in a certain way. But mm-hmm. the one thing I kind of wanted to get out of this movie, and I guess maybe I can get it out of a different movie, maybe like uh, the, the Gordon Gecko movie, Wall Street. But mm-hmm. I don't know, like I, I kind of wish the story maybe for a minute actually explained how stocks work. Like they do a good job explaining like, shares and things like that a little bit and you get kind of a little bit of how things work and like how crazy it is but i still don't really know how they work yeah, um, but you know what though you know I, I i have to cut you off there i think yeah. you know, the reason i'm glad they didn't because he goes into explain at one point remember he's yeah like, and he cuts he himself goes, off legal absolutely fucking not right those movies have been done they yep. explained it a little in uh, boiler room they did it in glengarry glen Ross. that's you know, that's like, true i forgot about boiler room you're right this is this is like um, a different tone. Yeah, yeah. They went into it a little bit. You don't want it to take away from. You're right. You're right. It, it especially, yeah. And I, I guess it's a yeah. lighthearted movie. It is a comedy. No, definitely, movie. definitely. I, I, I think they did a good job for the most part of like explaining things and like how the calls work and the sales pitches, and that was good enough for me. Uh, like I said before, before I even said this, I, I knew I was gonna. I said I, I'm phoning it in because I don't know if this is my worst. Because I right. think you're, I think you're right in a way where the movie doesn't need it. Um, I guess it was just me being like, I would like to be educated, but this and is not the movie for that. <laughs> and Matthew McConaughey actually explains it at the beginning. Yeah, he does a good job with that. Yeah, he, he said he, it. He goes, he goes. Nobody knows if the stock's gonna go up, down, left, right. He's like, it doesn't matter if you're Warren Butter, Buffett or Jimmy Buffett. Right. He goes, it, it isn't really real mm-hmm. right you know what i mean like it's he goes least of all stockbrokers so he's like it doesn't matter 
you don't have to know who stock like stocks work. Like remember, he was like, "Oh well, the the, the that was a great scene too." I thought about putting that in there as my top three, but mm-hmm. and he was because he could get a spinoff on that character. Like, oh, easily, that was, and the, and he it, it was just funny how he explained it. He was like, "We're not here to make clients money." He was like, "Well, if it if we do make the clients money, it's advantageous for both for everybody, right?" He's like, mm-hmm. uh, "No." Yeah, <laughs> like, no, 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 not even close. And you don't have to know anything about stocks. Your job is to pick up the phone and persuade them. Yeah, we don't need we don't need people good at numbers. We don't need people like you need to be aggressive and pick up the phone and be money hungry. That is it. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> like, do you, do you, like you don't have to know about yeah get a theory seven and all the bullshit. That's not what they're looking for. Good point. Definitely good point. What what is what, do you have a worst part, Anthony? I do. Really? Yeah. Um, and this is also a tie, but um, I'm going to have to pick one. Um, the um, the scenes with the scene with the aunt, like the the British aunt. I'm just like I know they needed another rat hole and all that, like that. But I thought the one that kind of irked me the most, and it's a lot of everybody. It's honestly a favorite scene for a lot of people. Um, is when he's getting all fucked up going to the car, mm-hmm. and he's trying to oh, and he's trying to open the car door. I think that it just went on for way too long. Oh, I love that about it, though. <laughs> like it's, and 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 this is this is and part of me like and this is just me with with my style like what I love about Scorsese movies and what I don't like and I know this is gonna sound crazy. It's not like I don't like those scenes; they're just not my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and because, but to me, the reason why we're watching the movie, what's so impressive about the movie, isn't about him getting fucked up. Mm-hmm. you know what i mean like we anybody can get you know high on drugs and um crash their car on the way home anybody can do that that's not why we're watching the movie we're watching the movie because this guy was just so fucking talented and was able to just brainwash all these kids and command such like a presence and make a million dollars a week back then that was crazy money mm-hmm. and that's crazy money now but back then forget it I mean, like the Hollywood elitist weren't making that. Yeah, right. CEO was a top five function, top five hundred like Fortune five hundred companies weren't making that. This kid was twenty six years old. We're not watching this movie because he got fucked up on drugs. Yeah, I, people, like, do you see what I mean? Like, it was just well, to me. I like the rise. Same thing with Goodfellas. I like the rise. I love like, okay, this is how we got into the mob. This is. This is what's interesting. And then, like, he was going, like, in Goodfellas, and he gets arrested, he's going on Coke binge, and, like, is the downfall, you know? Like, it's not as fun for me to watch. It's important to the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, th- I think the difference is, I think the difference is, is that I think these scenes, from the moment they take the ludes, the moment he gets to the country club, all the way to Donnie choking, mm-hmm. that whole segment of the movie is not really important to the plot of the movie. It, what it is, I feel like to me, is Marty being like, let me entertain the crowd for a little bit. Yeah, here. I mean, yeah. That, I mean, that's it, what it is, you know? It's important because you have to see why it all came crashing to an end. I mean, came to an end. But it's just not as entertaining. You're not watching the movie because of his downfall. You're watching it because of the rise. Mm-hmm. And, and like, and that, that's what, that's what's captivating. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, why it all came to an end, it has to be explained. I get it, you know, but, but that particular scene, I remember being in the theater being like, okay, like wrap it up. I know he's fucked up. Like, let's get to the next part. You know what I mean? I don't know. I always just kind of, 
Well, I will say that's it's definitely a hot take because I, I agree with you. I think a lot of people's favorite scene is that is that scene. Yeah, but um, it's just to, to me, how can you not love like you, the the scenes where like for for the reasons you're watching this movie? Right, right. No, for sure, for sure. I think it's just for me, it's like it's that other side of Leonardo DiCaprio that we don't, I mean, like we've seen him, you know, cry in movies, we've seen him be sad, but like, this is a whole other side, like we finally saw him and Django being like a dick, and we're like, oh, Leo, okay, and then, yes, he was a, 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 such a dick in this movie in so many different ways, but... Uh, just seeing this side of him and like the, the comedic, you know, like he's doing flips and turns and using his foot to open a DeLorean door, whatever. DeLorean door. Is, um, what is that? <laughs> that was Ferrari. Yeah. Ferrari, yeah. Ferrari, Definitely wasn't a DeLorean. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw the doors and that's what it reminded me of. But yeah, so I definitely you see where you're coming from when you're, you know, watching the story and you just want to see what's happening next. Uh, for me, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't hate, like, like I said, like, it's hard to pick great, a, yeah. Still a great scene, mm -hmm. but in terms of, like, why we're here, why we pick, right. like, why we're watching the movie, mm -hmm. that's, you know what I mean? It's, it's still a great scene, but, like, I, I don't know. Like, you have to rank them, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. You have to choose the least favorite, and it's still better yeah, than most. Yeah, yeah. Right, it's exactly. still better than most scenes in most movies. <laughs> there, there are some episodes where I have, like, six things to talk about, like, for a movie. So, I mean, I, you know, um, but Gia, do you have a least favorite or worst part? Um, and again, I think we've all kind of established that it's kind of hard to pick something that's like the worst part of a movie that you really enjoy. But I guess for me, I guess just some scenes that kind of just made me feel a little uncomfortable. And this is just coming from a woman's perspective. Uh, and it's just kind of just some of the treatment towards some of the women and it just kind of like, you know, like I, I totally understand that like uh, a woman being able to sell her own body is the oldest uh, profession around there. But uh, mm -hmm. just, just to see it kind of all right there and like the way that they talk about them and kind of like even the ugly ones and the, you know, um, and then again, like the shaving the head thing, so she can get big boobs and it's like, okay, yeah, I, I, that, that probably did happen. Um, but okay. And then just the scene where like he's arguing with um Naomi and she's just like kind of done with it and then he likes like I understand obviously she did hit him first but never should you ever slap her back because like that looked so forceful and then he punched her in the stomach and well I just and I get it like if that if it happened you're like yeah show that so we can all yeah, see like, that, that, have, like that's the story you know? yeah yeah and that was the one thing that Jordan did say J Jordan Belfort did say that he was a little bit disappointed at how it was depicted because he's like, I'm not denying that I hit my wife because I did, but he was like, I, I really hit her during one of my most drug-fueled moments of my entire life. So he's like, I was out of my own head. He goes, actually, we weren't even divorcing or separating during that time. He goes, it was later when I was sober when we had the marital problems. <laughs> so he was yeah. like, you know, I was, I was hoping it was depicted more like I was on a drug fueled binge. Cause that's what happened. So in the movie, it's more like Leo is just fucking angry. Right. You know, no, so was, it's a, he was, he was, no, when he punched her, he was all coked up. Well, before that, when he slaps her, he just like, I, I don't know if he was on drugs at that point, but, um, I don't know when he slaps her. I can't remember that. Part. Yeah, because she slaps him. He went about the whole kids thing. He slaps her in the face, and then he goes and he cuts up the couch, and grabs the coke, snorts yeah. it, and then that's when he punches her in the oh, stomach. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. you know, yeah, I, I totally get it. You know, we, me, especially Rick, my old co-host, like in the show, we always talk about like specific language in movies, specific ways things are depicted. Like 
obviously the, the 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 derogatory usage of like certain words for homosexuals like it's uncomfortable for a lot of people to watch but at the same time i think martin scorsese and tarantino have this envision where they're like Again, Tarantino says it a zillion times in interviews. He's like, I can't believe I'm saying this again to you people who think that I love violence. It's a fucking fantasy. Movies are fantasy. It's not real life. Right. Um, which, I guess, Scorsese takes the same thing. He's going to tell a story. He's got to be honest about it. It needs to be an honest story and how things were done and said. Um, but, yeah, I get it. I know, Gia, like, we were watching the scenes where, like, the guys were having sex with the hookers and stuff. And you were just, it was like the, the hooker who was like a really cheap one. And you were like, I kind of feel bad for that girl. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. And, and in the way the guys talk about like dwarfs, you know what I mean? They're like, if we, if we pretend they're not people, it's fine. Yeah. Like, it's, 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 it's funny in, in, in context, but it's not funny to like a dwarf who's watching it and being like, what the fuck? I'm a guy. Like, I'm a person. That scene was, that scene is so, you know, under the radar funny because you got to think like, okay, if they just showed them doing that, it's like, okay, it doesn't have an impact. But Scorsese was like, no, we have to have a, we have to show having a conversation of how this even came up. It was, it was more brutal of, of them talking about it. Right. Like, how yeah. does this even come up that you guys had to be in a room discussing it? And I mean, like, it, was, it, it wasn't even like guys get, it was a fucking, like, it was a called meeting between like four or five guys. Like, okay, sit down. Let's talk about this. Like we can shoot this guy as, as darts. Like, it, don't look at them. Don't look them straight in the eyes. And everyone's like writing notes and stuff. It's like fucking, it's insane. Right. I mean, but to, but to, G, to your point, like, I mean, I, I hear, so it's, it's funny. I mean, I mean, obviously I wasn't uncomfortable. I'm not a woman. I can't, I can't speak for that, for that side of it, mm. but it's like, someone like Martin Scorsese and a lot of these people who are, you know, making the movie, they're, they're very, they're, they're very, um, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Not educated, but just kind of like, Knowledgeable. You can tell that Martin Scorsese, you can just tell, is not like the type of guy who condones this type of behavior. So right. it's, it's almost like they're like, listen, we don't want to sugarcoat this. We're going to tell it the way these characters actually were. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it was like so over the top, like it's almost like they're making fun of them. Like, can you believe these guys acted like this? Right, like, right, absolutely. So they're, they're not condoning it. They're like, they're poking fun at the situation. Like these guys were like out of their minds. Look what they were right. saying were doing so it's not like they're condoning that behavior it's almost like they're like look at how crazy this was this is not how you're supposed to act right right of you course not, I mean? no. so it's, if anything it's not you know so yeah i, I can see how you could feel uncomfortable but yeah I, it's just kind of like watching those things that they're right. not condoning the behavior you know what i mean right absolutely it would almost be like if you were in public, like if I were at the mall and I just saw like a couple arguing and then I saw her slap her in the face and I'm like, oh, like, uh, like I, I would want to say something. But like, obviously, like, I understand that, you know, they're kind of just sh- sh- shining a light on what that does look like. So yeah. I totally get that that's just like, you know, I'm, I'm just witnessing it happen. It just kind of makes you feel uncomfortable seeing it happen. You're like, oh, OK. <laughs> yeah. yeah no, but somebody's like, I, I have a daughter of my own. You think I want her in that situation? Where, right. Uh, Right, she feels like she has to like take orders from a man like that and mm-hmm. uh, right. sell her body for for sex, all that. You know, that's a, that's a father's worst nightmare. I mean, forget like that's Agreed. that happened to somebody. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of pain behind like what's what's happening to those real life girl women. You know what I mean? Like that's not just the woman itself, but all, all the families that go through that shit. It's like you know, those people who end up watching Wolf of Wall Street aren't laughing. You know what I mean? Like it's so like I get that. You know what I mean? But yeah. Like, so I mean, unfortunately, it turns into you know 
you know, and and like you said, like it, we're we're not sugarcoating this at all. Like Marty is putting this in there for several reasons. This the way he shoots it is fucking hilarious, um, but it's not funny in that sense. We we know what we're all talking about here. I mean, uh, I don't think we need to def- we, we don't have to defend that. All of that wouldn't have worked if they were all like forty-something-year-old guys with families. It wouldn't have worked. Well, the one guy who definitely doesn't condone it is uh, is Jordan's father. So, um, oh, but yeah, yeah. I, that's he's such an under. Like, I feel like uh, there's not enough said about him in that role because I just love Rob Reiner in general. Like yeah. I, I remember when he was in All in the Family and he was Meathead, and then I remember him as a director uh, for Stand by Me and um, Spinal Tap. Final tap. Oh my God. Yeah. And then, then here he is. And he's like, I love when he's, uh, Jordan's talking about, he's like, you know, him answering the phone and like all of a sudden he would develop this like British accent. <laughs> it was just such a, and then right. every time you see him, just he's cursing up a storm. I don't and, know. Yeah. Great throw. Um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A montage in that scene or uh, kind of shout out when he's mm-hmm. watching the equalizer. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The equalizer. Yeah. Well, did you see it with Steve Buscemi on the screen? Yep. Well, so that's, that was um, Scorsese put that in there because he's such good friends with with uh, Buscemi because they did our uh, Boardwalk Empire together. Yep, yep. Oh, yeah. So like he, he they put that in there on purpose, you know, just kind of I don't know. I thought it was kind of cool. I'm surprised Buscemi's not in more. Uh, I don't think he's in a lot of. I don't think he's any in any Scorsese movies to be honest. But uh, anyways, um, let's move on to the gold, silver, and bronze category. This is where we choose our uh, one through three favorite. Actors, actresses, uh, crew, director, miscellaneous, anybody you want, somebody who does the score. Uh, let's start with number three. I'll start this one off. Uh, my bronze goes to Jonah Hill. I think uh, Jonah Hill is, this might be my favorite role of his in his entire career. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing him in a lot of other movies going forward. I know that I, it, it was mentioned somewhere that uh, Scorsese is making a, a Grateful Dead movie and Jonah Hill's playing... Um, uh, and Jerry Garcia, and I'm excited to see that. Um, but in general, I think that and this is one of the things when we're doing our recast, which we're going to do a little bit later, the recasting for for Donny Azoff, I thought was really difficult because I could only picture somebody of Jonah Hill's, um, I don't know, just I, I can only picture him doing this role and, and it was tough for me. But I think that Jonah brought this like waspiness to the whole thing. Um, I, I read somewhere that when he put the fake teeth in, he had a really bad lisp and to sort of overcome that he would call businesses on his off time and have conversations with random people for a like half hour, hour at a time. So he can get rid of the, 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 you know, that lispiness in his mouth, mm-hmm. which is a uh, dedication for sure. But he gets my bronze. Uh, let's go to you, Gia. Who is your bronze in this? So if this was a tie between Jonah Hill as Donnie and, uh, uh Margot Robbie as Naomi. I thought that they both did really great jobs as their characters. Obviously, you mentioned all the great things about Jonah Hill and how he put in so much effort into this. And uh, he, he, I mean, in general, not just even as the character, but just like how much, you know, he took the pay cut and, um, you know, just how much he really wanted to be part of this film. And when you see him all the way through, like you can see exactly why he got it and he deserved it. Like he did such an amazing job. Um, yep. And then Margot Robbie also just, you know, she 
you know, considering she's like an Australian girl, like I thought she did a great job with the accent. I thought that like her whole demeanor, um, the transition of her character from like this, uh, you know, like just kind of flirtatious girl into this, you know, a little bit stronger for herself. And then like really just kind of like honed in her own person and was like, no, fuck you. I'm, you know, she did, she did all of that great from start to finish. So that was yeah. my Absolutely. Anthony, what's your bronze? Uh, Jonah Hill as well. I mean, I mean, you, you gotta, yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, I wouldn't say it was his breakout role because he did Moneyball beforehand and saw him, you know, and something other than that was, you know, you know, then just kind of like a slapstick comedy, but I mean, he this for sure. I mean, yeah, I just completely, the, the fact that he stole a scene away from Leo, I mean, you, that's crazy. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's funny to think of him in a movie like Superbad and like how he was, he was younger in that, but think of him in that and then think of him as Donny Azoff, it's like a totally different actor. Um, and, and, you know, I, I see a lot of confidence in Jonah Hill's acting too. I mean, he's, uh, he's going to do a lot of great things and I'm excited to see him in a lot of things. So definitely. Uh, so uh, my silver is Leonardo DiCaprio and this was tough. I mean, I'm assuming you guys know my gold based on my silver, but mm-hmm. I, you know, it, it's one of those things where, uh, y- you know, it's like who, not who did the most, but, how does it work? You know what I mean? Like, how do you choose between a director and, and, and the star like this? But I think, I think DiCaprio, every, th- every time he's in a movie, he gives it his 120%. I have never seen Leonardo DiCaprio ever phone it in in a role. He goes full fucking fledged. And that's what makes him arguably at this point, he's one of the, he's one of the best actors on the planet. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to compare him to the generation that's older than him, like Pacino, De Niro. Like, I'm not going to go there because that's a different generation. But for DiCaprio's generation, I think he's the cream of the crop, personally. And, uh, I, you know, I, I think he takes... I don't know. I think he does a lot more in this role than he does in other roles. Like, he does the comedy great. does the dramatic great. Um, mm-hmm. The slapstick stuff he does great. Like, he, he, shows, he shows everything in this movie. And when, you know, we'll talk about it later, but he, he doesn't win the Oscar. And it's actually kind of surprising that he didn't win it. Um, but anyways, uh, let's move on. Gia, what is your uh, silver? Uh, my silver went to Martin Scorsese. Um, and I think, yeah, we just probably reversed ours. But yeah, he did such an amazing job with, you know, all of the directal choices that he made with music, uh, casting, everything, like just the, the whole thing as a whole. He just did uh, uh, the whole thing as a whole. I, I don't know how to explain things anymore. I'm sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think he just did an amazing job. I give him so much credit uh you know I, I haven't read the book but you know it seems like you know other than a few little things uh, according to jordan uh the actual jordan but uh he did yeah just that an amazing job yeah absolutely and uh anthony what is your silver yeah so scorsese as well and i, I like to kind of give you know specifically you know, it's like you said before like his his montages some of the stuff that you like if you were watching it and you didn't know Nobody told you if it was going to be a Scorsese movie, you'd be like, you'd turn to the person next to you and be like, Scorsese did this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? Like, and the fact that you could get that feel from watching this, like, even if nobody told you, you would know. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it, like the scenes, like when, um, like you said, like where Donnie 
you know, with it, you know, when he's in slow motion, um, like the lewd scene. But then this, there's another uh, Scorsese thing that he did, um, like kind of like a typical Scorsese move when he's talking to his ex-wife, and she's like, "Oh, are these companies that they're not going to make that much money." Um, and he's like, "Oh, yeah, well, uh, you know, pe- poor people don't. Uh, I mean, rich people don't buy penny stocks." Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Why?" And then the camera pauses, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he doesn't say it to her. The voice of Leo comes on the screen and goes, "Because they're too fucking smart." That's yeah, it. yeah. He could have easily said to her, "Because they're too fucking smart," right? But he didn't. He paused the camera, and they overlaid it with Leo's voice. Mm-hmm. That's fucking Scorsese all the way. Yeah, and 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 it's like you would know right then and there. And then just like other little things where like um, I I love the way like it's little subtle things. This is what I love about movies. Where if somebody else was directing it, it wouldn't have had that appeal. When he's when he's doing that uh, cold call when he's in the investor center, that first cold call for Arrow Time, mm-hmm. and you see one person kind of like looking over the shoulder, like mm, like he sounds good on the phone, like that's, and then it shows him when he goes with a, a, a mere six thousand dollar investment can get you upwards of sixty thousand dollars. It's like a close up of Leo, but then the the camera slowly moves back and then you realize the whole room is standing up watching them make this call. Yeah. And, and, and that's, and uh, that, that reminded me of Goodfellas, the scene where uh, Joe Pesci is, is, is uh, what am I a clown? And the reason is, is because everybody around him in that scene, they're all huge smiles. And as the seconds yeah, yeah. progress, those smiles stop. And right. they're slowly uh, turning into frowns. And Scorsese knows how to build tension so well. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Another director might have had that same room with those same actors, and they wouldn't have zoomed out like that. They just would have kept the camera on or wouldn't have built that tension. You know what I mean? Like, right. He did that. That was his idea. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's just one example. You know what I mean? Well, those two examples, I just get, you know what I mean? So it's like, just little things like that where you're just like, wow, like that Scorsese directed this. I know he did. Yeah, I mean, you could always tell the flavor. It's, it's always like a flavor thing. Like Scorsese and Tarantino, yeah. they have flavors about them yeah. um, for sure. Yeah, it's their style, you know? I mean, and, and, and it's almost like if anybody else does it, they're biting them. You know I mean? so, right, right. Right. Um, yeah, and. Uh, Your number one, Derek? My number one, is, it's Martin Scorsese. And again, I think that this is one of those instances where you can kind of flip-flop him either way. Uh, DiCaprio gives a performance of a lifetime here. Um, he's done it many times. And Scorsese's done it many times. But it's just a matter of preference. Um, again, I could go either way. But I think Scorsese takes the cake for me. It's just the stylization. The way he introduces a movie. That I love the narrations in his movies. Um, they just feel so much bigger. When you when you start off with a narration and things are explained to you, and this is the city, here's the town, here are the boys, here's the playing cards, here's the playing field. You know, he does it in so many ways, you know, and all the countless movies this man has done, you know, and uh, and, and, and Taxi Driver and, and Goodfellas and Casino and Gangs in New York. I mean, there's just countless movies where he's so good at this one thing. Um, and then, like you said, the camera shots and the way things are shown to you. 
it's just any other director would watch him and go, I want to be able to do what Marty does because he just finds a way to make things important to you. Um, same thing with Tarantino too. We, 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 we talk about both of them a lot together because they have those flavors, but um, there's just something about the way Martin Scorsese puts together a film uh, that makes me just say like, this is, this is a complete masterpiece um, mm-hmm. and, and, and filming and filming scenes and being a director is an art form. hundred percent. Absolutely. And and he has his vision and he does it so well. And and I think the cherry on top for Scorsese's art is let me give you DiCaprio at his best as well. And that is like a plus. Mm-hmm. So um, but yeah, uh who uh who is your goal? I'm assuming both your goals are DiCaprio, so we can just have a free-for-all at this point. Yeah, no, for sure. He I think kind of. <laughs> kind of okay um all right well then I'll, I'll wrap up my leo real quick um yeah no i think he as he always does embodied this character from you know start to finish i believed he was jordan you know he i i enjoyed him thoroughly uh you can tell that he put all of the work in um and that goes without saying as to any role he ever does, which you're right. I don't know why he didn't get an Oscar for this role, which kind of became the joke of, you know, Leo still hasn't gotten an Oscar yet and it took right. him to get it. But, um, you know, there's been many times where he's deserved that. And this was definitely one of those times because he's definitely got my gold. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Anthony, what's your uh, gold? So my, my gold is Leo. Um, as well. I mean, and I, I kind of go back and forth between him and Terrence Winter for this, and he was the one who did the screenplay. Yep. Kind of just took the book and made the dialogue what it was. And if you guys know who Terrence Winter is, he was the main writer on The Sopranos. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. And he was also, you know, so like, and he was also one of the head writers of Boardwalk Empire. So, you know, that's why, you know, Scorsese uses him and, you know, everything, because he produced that. So it's like, like maybe I have Scorsese and Terrence Winter is like tied for, tied for silver. Mm-hmm. Because you know somebody had to take the the story and give it words, give it life, and and that's probably just as important as the director. It's you know, mm-hmm. but the reason why I'm giving Leo the gold not only but for his performance, which is like it's just, I mean, I mean, just uh, probably probably the best of his career. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was the one who wanted this movie to be made. He was the one who started, like, you know, put it on everybody's radar. So, and like begged the studios to like, to like get on board. So, if it wasn't for him, the acting aside, I mean, I don't think this movie would have been made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and, and it's tough not to give it, you know, I can see why you would want Scorsese too, because it's like, you know, Leo's, you know, it's, this is, you know, a movie is like a sport, it's a team sport. You can't say like the quarterback is doing it all. You know, yeah, Leo's the, the head actor, but like, but like Martin Scorsese was the coach. It's like even when Leo's not on screen, Scorsese has to be directing so much other shit. Yep. So like he has to be responsible for this all too. And so is Terrence Winter. I mean, he he had to write all these scenes and like even the scene with like the you know, the FBI guys on the boat, like making that funny and building the tension there. Like mm-hmm. Terrence Winter did all that, you know. Like it's just so. I mean, he's. <clears throat> I guess, I mean, Leo has to be my number one because he was the one who pushed for it to be made. So, I mean, yeah. that alone, that's why he's my number one. But um, but you could say, for me, arguably, like, I mean, Terrence Winter, Scorsese, and Leo are the triple threat. I mean, they're, 
they all get goals in my mind, but um, yeah. I had, I had choose, you know? definitely. All right, let's move on to recasting, which is always our favorite segment because it's always a lot of fun. Uh, so I will let you guys know. Uh, I casted five. I did Jordan Belfort, De- uh, Donnie, Naomi, Mark Hanna, and Rugrat. Um, how about you, Anthony? How many, which ones did you do? Uh, I did Jonah Hill. Um, kind of Leo and uh, and his dad. I didn't, okay. I didn't put I didn't put too much of emphasis into the uh, kind of the other guys because I thought like I thought it was perfect that they went with guys that we didn't know. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. How about you, G? Which ones did you do? Uh, I did Jordan, Donnie, Naomi, and Brad. <laughs> All right. So nobody did Brad except for you. So let's hear your Brad. All right, so I kind of wanted someone who could still bring that like tough guy presence about him, and I think this is a, a an actor who's just like a complete chameleon and anything I've ever seen him in, and I feel like he did kind of play this role, uh, type of role in the show Girls, and that's Adam Driver. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. I don't know. I feel like he's a little gangly for this role, but but, but but it might work. Like you said, he is a chameleon. I think Adam Driver is one of the best actors of his generation. Um, well, yeah, at the time he wasn't, so I could see like um, him getting this a type of role like this at that time. That yeah, well, th- well, this would be made now, so 2022, right. Wolf of Wall yeah. Street, Adam Driver. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it might be kind of a small role for him at this point, too. But I feel um, like he would, you know, he takes odd roles. I feel like this is something that he would, I mean, this is just my casting. This is my, you know, it doesn't have to, this isn't real. This is just my. Well, yeah, the, 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 this is our fantasy football right here. Right. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But okay, cool. Um, you so I did Mark Hanna. It sounds like nobody else did Mark Hanna. Um, my Mark Hanna is actually um, an actor who was considered to play Jordan, and that is Brad Pitt. Uh, I think Matthew McConaughey knocks it out of the park. I could also see how Brad Pitt could knock this out of the park. Um, mm-hmm. In that same sort of like quirky guy yeah. who's who's showing him the ropes. I I just see it. I think Brad is is great. And I think that would work. Um, I also did Rugrat, which I don't think anyone else did. And my Rugrat went to uh, Rupert Grint, um, <laughs> who plays uh, Ron Weasley in the Harry Potter movies. That's hilarious. Um, I, I just like him. I like his face. He's got a good face. And uh, I like his acting chops and everything like that. So I think it'd be kind of fun to see him in a role like this. I, I think Rupert Grint at this point needs to like, because he's, he's been doing a lot of indie stuff and things that have gone under the radar since Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's time for him to like get like in a Scorsese movie, you know what I mean? I want to um, hear his American accent too. Right, right. Um, did so? Um, oh, so Anthony, who did you have for Jordan's dad? I don't think anybody else had him. So okay. So I don't know if this counts because he's dead and it wouldn't have happened. I don't think he's dead <laughs> at the time. But either way, um, but Don Rickles being his dad would have <laughs> been. That unbelievable yeah just based in his like comedy and like also just like yeah everything about he kind of looks like rob reiner with like the bald head and like the the, the weirdness yeah he and he's been in scorsese he was in casino so casino he, yeah with, with Matt scorsese. so like you just picture him flipping out of the song when he picks up the phone like he Oh my God, that would have been unbelievable if they, if he was alive at the time and he, and he was able to do it. But, I, um, I still I think that he, was one of the weirdest casting choices ever. Yeah, I think he, I mean, yeah, he definitely, 
died a few years ago. But I, I think that the weirdest casting choice ever was Martin Scorsese casting Don Rickles as a straight man in a movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he plays the straight man. Like Don Rickles is a fucking comedian, yeah. and you have a, you give him no funny lines. You give him, you know what I mean? It's 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 very strange. But well, maybe it's just that much of an honor to work with Scorsese that it doesn't have to be this. Yeah, it, it's always weird to me to see a comedian be in a movie and not be a comedian. But I guess it happens a lot. Hmm. Um, so now we have Jordan, Donnie, and Naomi. Gia, did you have anybody else? Nope. Okay, let's do Naomi. Um, I will do mine. Um, she actually, I did not know this beforehand. I just found this out a little while ago. She auditioned for Naomi, but they said she was too old for the role, which makes no sense because she's 10 years younger than Leo. The comedy Um, of that. Well, because anything that's older than 25 is too old for Leo. Right, right. Leo only likes 25-year-old girls. Um, But I went with Olivia Wilde. I mean, she's very attractive. I think that you need somebody on the, on the, you know, Margot Robbie attractive this list to be in this role. Um, that's the point. Is like she's like, oh my god, she's super hot. Like that's the point. Wait, wasn't she offered the role? I read that she was. She auditioned for it, and they told her she was too old. I didn't see that she got an offer. Oh, okay, yeah. But yeah. this and this was after I had casted her, so I was super shocked by that. I was like, whoa, I guess I was right. Like, but she's she's beautiful. I mean, I know she's going through a lot of shit right now with her ex Jason Sudeikis, but um, uh, yeah. yeah director this is her second uh, directorial film that just came out and the whole there's like a weird feud going on between her and like Shia, La- Shia LaBeouf yeah. Shia LaBeouf and then now her the, the person she's dating Harry Styles which oh, is interesting God. um all right and uh Anthony uh Gia who was your Naomi um so I I will say just that in general I found a very difficult time trying to recast this because I just feel like everyone who was in their parts just did such an amazing job that in general just recasting it is almost stupid just because I'm so like I I don't even I I will say this is the one time during a recast where I didn't really love every single one I chose so this was just kind of like I guess a placeholder but I couldn't think of anybody else so for Naomi I chose Elle Fanning so I think she's beautiful um, I think she's kind of at that age where, you know, she looks, you know, mature enough to be a woman, but still young enough to not have any, uh, uh, like a sign of a wrinkle anywhere near her next, however long. But, uh, I think she would do a pretty decent job fitting the role. I don't know if I've ever seen her, you know, take it up to that type of a level. So I'd be interested to see what she could bring to that role. I think it's safe to say that Elle Fanning's become, becoming like a Gia person. Like you I use her a lot, so I, I, I do. I, I think well, I think from what I have seen of her, I think she's done an amazing job. And Al Fanning's becoming the uh, Timothy Chalamet to Rick. I see. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I, I totally see it. I think she's uh, very talented and, and she's attractive, so I think it, it makes sense for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but now let's move on to Donnie Azoff. Anthony, who's Wait. your? I'm sorry. D- uh, did Anthony have Naomi? I don't believe so. Okay, sorry. Uh, Anthony, who is your Donnie? No, I didn't. Uh, my Donnie would have been Jesse Plemons. <laughs> Jesse Plemons. Of course. Of course. He's the, uh, yeah. he's the guy yeah. who's literally in everything now. <laughs> yeah. And you know, at the time, you know, it's, he's definitely to, to me, he is like this generation's, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Wow. Who started off with a lot of like, um, kind of like B player roles. 
yep. but then ends up being like an A-lister all the way, taking on like serious, you know, serious roles and not and not being like the like the the uh, like the B player. But I could see him doing this role, putting on like the waspy glasses and um, really having fun with it. You know, I, 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 you know, so I mean, and still love, I still, I'm not saying he would have done a better job than Jonah Hill. I'm just saying I, it would be interesting to see him in, in that role. It would yeah. just be like fun, you know? Absolutely. All right. Gia, who is your Donnie? Uh, my Donnie, again, this is another one where I just didn't, I, I, I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> I'm the one who wrote it down too. And I just, but I, I think this actor, you know, he's been in a few things. We, I know he can be funny because that's kind of why he kind of got into this uh, arena in the first place. But uh, I chose Josh Peck. Um, I like I, Josh Peck. I think oh, that yeah, that's, a good, that's a good one. I, I think he's underrated. Yeah, so I feel like, you know, he hasn't done anything to this, you know, magnitude. So I feel like to kind of give him a chance and just to see what he can give us. I think that, not that I'm asking him to gain any weight because he's done such a great job. Uh, but I think that he could definitely pull this type of character off. Excellent. Um, my Donnie Azoff is an actor who I believe is just excellent. He's so funny. He's so sarcastic. He's just an actor that blew up basically from the, the movie, uh, the show Succession, and that's Kieran Culkin. Mm. Um, and he's just knocked it out of the fucking park right now. Like, I consider him to be like, at this point, like, I think he's starting to become the, I think he's starting to overshadow his brother Macaulay a little bit. Um, mm, and, and then Rory Culkin's excellent too, but I think Kieran in Succession is like, he finally grasped what he's good at. And I think you put a pair of glasses on him and some waspy teeth and you have your fucking Donny Azoff. Um, bottom line. So that's just my pick. And then lastly, we're doing Jordan Belfort. Anthony, who's your Jordan? So um, again, this is the same where I'm not saying that this person would have done a better job than Leo. It would just be interesting to see the scenario, what that person would bring to the table. Um, because I think they're equally as good actors, but and this guy might actually look more like him, which I think would have been pretty interesting too, would be Tom Hardy. Yeah. Oh. Tom Hardy's he, another chameleon. He's another one like, and he, he, you know, he was with, you know, alongside with Leo with, uh, and, and the Revenant. Yep. He kind of, and, and he's a shorter guy. And so is Jordan Belfort. He looks like Jordan. You're right. He kind of looks like Jordan a little bit. He, I could see him, you know, slicking his hair back and like doing this role. I really could. I Yo, mean, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So I, I mean, but you know, like Leo definitely, and and you know, and he, and especially, you know, Leo has a little bit more of that like pretty boy like kind of mm -hmm. a persona about him. I mean, he's shed that obviously. He's proved himself over the years, but still, like sometimes, like if someone's too big of a name, like I thought the worst casting of all time was um, the movie Gaudy with John Travolta because. We weren't looking at John Gotti. We were, we were watching John Travolta. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. sometimes I think that uh, having somebody who's not as famous can have more of an impact. Like look at uh, the guy who played, um, you know, Christoph Waltz in, in *Glorious Bastards*. Yeah. Mm -hmm. People think that you need like name actors to to make a movie great. That's not true. That guy, he came out being the biggest star of that movie, not Brad Pitt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
you know, and it's like a guy who nobody even seen before. And I think that could have done, I think they could have done that. I mean, I think that because it was based off a real person, they could have went with like a no name actor and like given him a shot. Just to, I think that would, I'm not saying it would have been better than Leo's performance, but I think it would have been cool. Mm-hmm. Same thing with, um, did you guys see the Irishman? Yeah, of course. The, um, the guy who played, so Pacino played um, Hoffa. Yep. yep. Do you remember the guy Coco in The Sopranos? Yeah. The guy looks exactly like Hoffa and he can act. Yeah. Like, but you know what? Scorsese wanted, like, oh, let's give the audience what they want. They wanted Pacino and De Niro and Pesci in a movie all at once because it's never been done before. And one the of actor. One of them's probably going to die soon because they're all like 80 years old. So let's just do right. that. Yeah, the actor who plays Coco is actually also in The Departed in a very small role. Yeah, the pro- I met that guy once. He's, he, he's the one who's like, he's like, you, you, you opened your place here in an Irish neighborhood. These are dirty, yeah, dirty, dirty people, the way he says that. Yeah, that, guy, <laughs> that guy was great. So like, yeah, and he, he looks like, like Hoffman. It's like Hollywood doesn't do that. They don't give a lot of these people who, who should be given a chance. Well, because if, if you have Scorsese... <laughs> Make I don't think Scors- Scorsese's name is enough for people to go see his movies. At the same time, I think Hollywood's a little bit nerve nervous about that. Of like Scorsese's next big picture starring no name. Yeah, but they're, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to do it. They're, they're not going to do it. You know, Tarantino did it with Christoph Waltz. Like who? He he did he did. But Christoph, I think I mean clearly Christoph Waltz was definitely like a little bit more popular in Europe. I don't think anybody knew him here, but like right. I think Brad Pitt's name is like that was the name on the movie. But then you find this character actor who's unbelievable. I um, think it even said Michael Myers on the cover too, if I'm not mistaken. And he's only in it for like two minutes, so yeah. Well, that, that, that's what Hollywood does. Hollywood will give you like like Matthew McConaughey's name is billed forth in this movie, and he's in only a couple scenes, you know. So, right. but that's Hollywood's trick of like come see this movie based on these names. You know, mm-hmm. right, and it's like, but yeah, I mean, if I were to recast Leo, it would just be interesting to see somebody that we've never seen before, or um, Tom Hardy. Definitely, I mean, I still think that Leo did the best job out of any of those three options, mm-hmm. but but it would just be cool to see to wonder what what that would have been like if it was one of those other two. Definitely, Gia, okay. who's your uh, Jordan? Um, again, this was another one I had a really hard time with trying to like settle down on one, but I think I, I narrowed it down. So this is someone who I feel like has really, really grown as such a great actor within these past few years and not to take anything away from what he did when he was younger, but I just think as of late, like everything that he's been in, I've just been like, another uh, he's just another chameleon who like you know he can master an american accent doesn't matter which you know borough you're from or whatever the hell but uh that's robert pattinson uh and this is coming from somebody who's never seen a twilight movie i don't give a shit about that i I don't think i don't think he's known for twilight anymore everybody knows that robert pattinson's indie movies he's fucking phenomenal he is amazing uh you know the lighthouse um he was amazing in uh what's the other a24 movie where he was blonde I forget the name of it, but it was excellent. He did such a great job in that too. But like everything I've seen him in lately, he's just been really, really good. And I feel like he is kind of a. Um, I think he regrets. I think he regrets Twilight now. Like he, I think he said it in interviews. He's like, "That's not what I'm known for. Like I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm an actor's actor. He really is." There was something that <laughs> I read about him that I thought was really funny. So as you know, because of that, those films, uh, he had become like 
you know, one of those people in on a teen magazine for so many years. And there was someone when he was filming in Europe uh, who was like stalking him, like hardcore stalking him. And he actually like asked her out on a date just to kind of be like, all right, if this, that's what you really want, let's go out on a date. And he basically was just like himself and to the point where at the end she was like, yeah, no, I don't know if I want to hang out anymore, <laughs> which right. I thought was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, like, is that what you, he's like, is this what you really want? Yeah. But Leo was one of those guys too. He was like the hot yeah. frog magazine cover kid. You know. And that's why I feel like this could kind of work in his favor. So I think he could do a great job with it. I went with George, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt for this role. I think that I thought I, of him too. I, you know what? I was going to throw that name out there. I thought of him too for that. That's so funny. Yeah. I think he's an actor where like, as he's grown and you look at his work, you realize that he's, he's a better actor than you think he is. I mean, mm-hmm. I think 500 Days of Summer was, it was an awesome movie that he was in that he did oh, a I great job in. But then if you look at a movie like Inception, like he's so good in that. And he's opposite DiCaprio and he, he holds his own and everything. I and love him in 50-50. Sorry, I, I, yeah, 50-50 is a great, great role for him. Like, I actually, if they ever remade The Devil's Advocate, I totally see him as playing... Um, Keanu Reeves' part in that movie. Um, mm. You know, I think that he's an actor that I want to see him do more dramatic things. And I know recently he did a couple of TV shows where he plays like a villain. And I'd love to see that too. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, I think that he would, I think a, a, the, the actors that we chose could definitely pull this off for sure. But uh, before this episode becomes a six hour episode, let's move on to the next category. And that is miscellaneous. I have a few miscellaneous things. I want to just bring up a couple of trivia facts that I really enjoyed reading and I'll read them quickly so we can get through it um the actor snorted crushed b vitamins for scenes that involved cocaine jonah hill claimed that he eventually became sick with bronchitis after so much inhaling and had to be hospitalized Uh, (laughs) um matthew mcconaughey's scenes were shot on the second week of filming the chest beating and humming performed by him was improvised and actually a warm-up right that he performs before acting when when leonardo dicaprio saw it while filming the brief shot of him looking away uneasily from the camera was actually him looking at martin scorsese for approval and um dicaprio encouraged this to be included into the movie um see here martin scorsese has confirmed that some of the editing is odd on purpose especially the scenes in which one or more characters are high every time jordan is seen to be taking drugs the scenes that follow have continuous continuity issues and often flow oddly um interesting yep uh Let's see, this was actually the highest grossing film of Martin Scorsese's career uh, worldwide, 392 million. Wow. Uh, this actually broke the world uh, Guinness Book of uh, Records uh, for the most times saying fuck 569 <laughs> times, which beat Goodfellas and Casino. Um, let's see. Leonardo DiCaprio was paid 25 million for this role, a quarter of the film's budget, making him the highest paid actor of the year. Uh, let's see what else I got here. And then... Uh, Jonah Hill wore a prosthetic penis while masturbating at the party. The surprise reactions from the actors and extras were genuine. <laughs> um, this is the last bit I have. Um, Margot Robbie has revealed that she accidentally slapped Leonardo DiCaprio more violently than she intended to while auditioning. She got a little lost in the moment, slapped his face and said, fuck you. There was a, <laughs> a stunned silence on the set and then all of them burst out laughing, but she feared that DiCaprio would sue her for it. She apologized, but he was so impressed with her courage and asked her to hit him again. <laughs> uh, so that's my miscellaneous. Anybody else have any uh, juicy facts? Nope. No, I don't know. That's no, but I, I did want to bring up, you know, from before we were talking about like how like some of those like um, those women scenes were uncomfortable. And I think that I think the reason why they throw in that scene too, just to kind of make 
Jordan not feel like seem like a monster. Remember that girl Kim? Yeah, that was a pretty good scene too. How he gave her like ten thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, because it was like he was basically like, listen, like yeah, like yeah, they definitely, you know, it was definitely inappropriate that like degraded women the way they did. But Mm -hmm. but if 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 you had the, I mean, no, no, most women wouldn't want to work in that environment. North Shore. There was a lot of women considering. I mean, it was definitely a male dominated. Right, but but if you had if you had thick skin and then like you Mm -hmm. could get the job done, he's not gonna like. He's not going to be sexist. You know what I mean? Like, oh, listen, yeah. you get the job done. You're, you're one of us. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, I love that secretary, too, that's there. That's always like, like, uh, what did she say? Like, suck my twat or whatever the hell. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. She, she tells Donnie, she's like, go fuck your cousin. Yeah. You're going to have thick skin if you're going to be there. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. And that's right, not right. for everybody. But, like, it was just yeah. kind of cool that they had, like, they showed, like, like, Women can work here, like if you mm-hmm. want. Yeah. Dot dot dot. If you want. Um, excellent. So let's move on to the Oscars. Um, this was this uh, this movie actually got a, uh, quite a few nominations. Uh, let's see. It did get nominated for Best Picture, but it was won this year by Twelve Years a Slave. The other nominations were American Hustle, Captain Phillips, Dallas Buyers Club, Gravity, Her. Nebraska, Philomena, and the Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, what do we think here? This is this is also kind of our fantasy football here. We can. This is our fantasy Oscars. Do we think the Wolf of Wall Street should have won over Twelve Years a Slave? Do we think that it's a better movie? Do we think it belongs? I, I think it definitely should have been nominated for Best Picture for sure. Yeah. For I don't sure. know. I don't know if it beats Twelve Years a Slave because that movie was pretty fucking intense. But, um. Well, I think as far as the Oscars go. Like uh, films like this, I feel like could have yeah. been for a very long time. But like twelve years, yeah, yeah, that 12, tw- yeah, twelve years a slave is Oscar baby, right, right, right. You know what I mean? It, it's one of those movies where you're like, oh, they're talking about this. It's probably gonna win. Um, you know, oh, and that doesn't uh, always br- happen though. Like, I think that's the point because it hasn't happened for a very long time. Well, now- I'm talking about like a movie. You know, Brendan Fraser is in the movie The Whale that's coming out soon. Like, he's playing. A fa- so he's playing a guy who says 600 pounds. Like, that's very Oscar baby. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I-, I think that I'm okay with Wolf not winning. I don't think it needs to win to show off mm-hmm. its skin. I think it deserves to be nominated. So I'm I'm happy with that. Same. Well, you know, you know how the uh, the Academy Awards are. Though. They're gonna they they're gonna choose something that's like controversial. Usually, you know, um, usually, like I don't think a comedy is ever one best picture. Right, right. And now I think now there's a there's like a uh, I think there's a category for that, or at least there should be for comedies because that's it's a little bit unfair that but I, I get it you know what i mean like you're looking for a drama for for, for and the also, because, and, and like the thing about the oscars it's like <clears throat> sometimes they're flat out wrong because i'll tell you right now what movie was not nominated for most of these categories which is insane was interstellar did you guys do that movie yet on this podcast i haven't seen it yet so if you want to do that if, if you want to do that we can do that one down the line with you and me you need to watch that movie on the biggest screen possible um, and I saw that in the IMAX, which it felt like you were the, the fact that it didn't even get nominated for best score. I mean, even they say that like movies are subjective. It's like, we are paying. No, like you're wrong. Like that, that, that the score set the tone. was probably the best score in the last. 20. Was it not nominated for no. anything? I don't. It, right here. Interstellar was nominated for five awards at the 87th Academy Awards. Winning it didn't best, win any. It winning. It won best visual effects. It says. Oh, it did. Yeah. Yeah. But it didn't win best score. 
Mm. Um, I don't know. Like it's like this. So yeah, watch that movie. I know we're yeah. I don't want to get off topic because we're on Wolf, but I, I thought that movie. I thought that movie was going to be nominated along Wolf of Wall Street. I, mean, I didn't even see it. On yeah, I I honestly I hate award shows. We have another podcast called the Greatest Album of All Time Podcast, and anytime the Grammys come up, I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a stupid campaign bullshit thing that happens. But I'm glad Wolf at least got nominated. Uh, Best director was won by Alfonso Cuarón for Gravity. Uh, other directors nominated were David O. Russell for American Hustle, Alexander Payne for Nebraska, Steve McQueen for 12 Years a Slave, and of course, Martin Scorsese for The Wolf of Wall Street. Um, I have not seen Gravity, so I can't really say. Yeah, but Interstellar was a way better space movie. It's, not, it's like, it's, right. it's totally. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just based on the movies I see here, I think that Martin Scorsese should, should have won Best, best Director personally, um, but that's just me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, he should have. Uh, best actor is won by, funny enough, Matthew McConaughey for Dallas Buyers Club. Um, I thought his performance was really good, but I think him losing a shit ton of weight was the reason why he won. Um, uh, the other nominations were Christian Bale for American Hustle, Bruce Dern for Nebraska, uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor for 12 Years a Slave, sorry if I butchered that name, and then Leonardo DiCaprio for The Wolf of Wall Street. Again, I think I, I love Matthew McConaughey in that movie. I think he was great, but I think Leo takes it this year. I think Igeo Four also for Twelve Years a Slave did a great job, but I think this was come on, this was Leo's year. But that's kind of weird though. Like it's kind of like like I love David Blaine as a as a magician, but I don't like the stunts that he does when he like does like a um, an endurance challenge. You know what I mean? Like uh, something like when he's holding his breath and things like that. It's like all right, or, right. It's not really magic. That's just like you like practice for like it's the same thing like. Is he the best actor, or like he so he got an award for Dallas Dies Club because he went on a, a diet? Are we supposed right. to be was are we supposed to be um, celebrating their acting performance and not their like? So yeah, he had a lot of discipline for for the role. Okay, that's right. He, and he did a good job. Yeah. Like it, it was a good movie and a good performance. I just don't know if it was as good as DiCaprio's. I think like yeah, no if, way. If, no if way. Leo if Leo was a hundred pounds for this movie, would he have won? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Um, McConaughey's performance in Wolf was better than his performance in Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, for Best Actress, um, we don't have any noms for Best Actress. Um, Kate Blanchett won for Blue Jasmine. Uh, others were Amy Adams in American Hustle, Sandra Bullock in Gravity, Judy Dench in Philomena, Meryl Streep in August. Um, do we think that uh, Margot Robbie should have been nominated here, or do you think that she would have been in uh, Best Supporting? Uh, if anything, best supporting because I mean this movie is not about the the women. It's about Jordan. It's right. about that this kind of like boys club kind of thing. And yes, there is like definitely some uh, positive sides to the women that we see, but like not big enough to consider them to be you know just singled out on their own. So I, I like her performance. I think it's really really good. Um, I just don't think it's Oscar worthy personally. Right. So I, I wouldn't have nominated her for Best Actress or Best Supporting Actress personally. I don't know if you guys feel any different, but... I definitely would have uh, voted for um, Jonah Hill for Best Supporting, for sure. So, yeah, Jonah Hill did get nominated for Best Supporting. Um, it was won by Jared Leto and, again, Ballas, uh, Dallas Buyers Club. And that one was definitely Oscar Beatty because Jared Leto... <laughs> wasn't Jared Leto like a um, cr uh, cross-dresser in that? Transgendered. Transgender, woman. something like that. Um, of course, you won. And then Barkhad Abdi for Captain Phillips. 
Bradley Cooper for American Hustle, Michael Fassbender for 12 Years a Slave, Jonah Hill for The Wolf of Wall Street. I'm not going to lie. I liked Michael Fassbender a lot in 12 Years a Slave, but I preferred mm-hmm. Paul Dano in that movie. Same. Um, but Paul Dano is, of course, the greatest actor of, of his generation. Um, I know, how come I, we didn't cast him in this? I say that a lot. I, every time I bring up Paul Dano, I'm like, he's the greatest thing that ever existed. Um, <laughs> he's out there. He's I great. He's so great. Um, but yeah, Jonah Hill got nominated. Is he better than Jared Leto in Dallas Buyers Club? That's the question. Um, it depends on what you're looking for when you're watching a movie, I guess. Because again, they're completely different kinds of movies. Right. Jared, Jared Leto is that actor that like transforms in every movie he's in. Like we, we talked about, he's in chapter 27 where he plays Mark David Chapman, the, yeah. the, the guy who kills John Lennon. And he gains like, what, 80 pounds for the role. And he's like a fat guy in the movie and nobody gave a shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like a guy like Jared Leto, who's like a method actor, like sometimes it doesn't pay off at this point, Dallas Buyers Club, it does pay off. So um, I'm fine. Everybody's least favorite Joker. Yeah, probably. Um, But yeah, I think, uh, I think that's it. Uh, It's funny. Best original screenplay was won by Spike Jones for her. Great movie. That is a great movie, though. Good, good for Spike Jones. Um, I don't think... Oh, yeah, Wolf of Wall Street was also nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. Um, as you said before, uh, Anthony Ter- Terrence Winter was nominated. It lost to 12 Years a Slave. Um, but at least it was nominated. It got recognition. Again, mm-hmm. these award shows, are they can be really stupid, and who the fuck really cares? But some people do. Yeah. So, But anyways, let's move on to one of my favorite segments is, what are we eating with this movie? You're sitting there. It's right in front of you. You're watching The Wolf of Wall Street. What's what's your food preference? Drugs. <laughs> just quaaludes. You're just eating all drugs. <laughs> I'm you're, gonna just. I'm I'm, I'm uh, throwing up, so I have nothing in my system. So the drugs are more potent. I'm gonna have quaaludes in a cereal bowl with some milk. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they yeah. eat. Do, do we ever watch them eating anything? There's just some movies where there's just no food. Um, are we are we going to? Uh, the hibachi place for this? Yeah, I was going to say, was gonna say between, between uh, Benihana, the mention of that, and uh, um, Donnie eating the goldfish, you, you got to go sushi here. <laughs> oh, that was, another, that was another miscellaneous that I forgot to mention, that he like had the goldfish in his mouth, and then he spit it out. So the goldfish was fine. Thank God. But like, I would have been really disgusting if you swallowed that fish for real. <laughs> David Blaine has done that. Speaking of David Blaine, I, I thought he did do that for real. I thought I read somewhere I that he so did. Too. We've so never mentioned we've never mentioned David Blaine once in the show, and he's been mentioned twice in this episode. That's impressive. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so this is my favorite part. One of my favorite parts of the episode or the show is when I put thirty seconds on the clock for Gia, and she has to tell me why The Wolf of Wall Street is the greatest movie of all time. Gia, are you ready? Sure. All right. Let's see. Here we go. Three, two, one, go. So, I mean, you got Martin Scorsese. I mean, who, as far as we know, hasn't made a bad picture. Leonardo DiCaprio, another one who's just freaking amazing and probably the best you've ever seen, both of them doing their stuff. Jonah Hill is that person where you don't see this coming. It's worth watching. Every every person I know who's seen this movie, it's totally one of their favorite movies. So if you haven't seen it already, it's definitely worth a watch. All right, 26 seconds. Nicely done. 
Thank you. You, you didn't tell anybody to fuck off this time. Congratulations. Surprisingly, I know. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to be a better person. Good, good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, all right, last segment of the movie is really about the theme of the movie. What is the theme of the movie? What did we learn from this movie? Um, it's one of those things where it's really a biography, so it's mm-hmm. kind of hard to just be like, oh, based on this person's life, here's what I learned. But you know what? It, this is your general, you know, Tony Montana rise and fall story, really. Um, and I learned uh, how to sell a pen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Supply, <laughs> supply and demand, my friend. Uh, I love Joe Bernthal. He's fucking fat, fantastic. Yeah, um, he's, he's one of my my favorite actors from this movie with like an up and coming career. He's yeah, great. me too. And like he he's also one of those guys where he can play literally anything. He plays a tough guy in this movie, but in real life, he's the complete opposite. He's like a super sweet guy who's really intelligent, and I love that about him. And I think he also has a podcast, so check that out. Yeah, awesome. And uh, he's really good. Yeah, but yeah, the, he's on the Punisher, and he's. He, um yeah even when he was younger i mean he he like got in a lot of fights he had like a like a boxing career and everything but he he's he's definitely worked his way up yeah definitely i think recently i saw him he had like long hair and he was wearing like a beanie and i was like man he just changes his look every time i see him um but uh yeah great actor uh, I, I think it's a playoff like we were saying the theme of the movie i think people forget um how crazy um, the nineties kind of world was like, it, it was basically the end. It was almost like it was the final farewell to the age before computers took over everything. Yeah. So it was, it was basically like, we're going to have one big, that's what, to me, that's what this movie was, was like, we're going to have one final blowout because think about it. You could, back then you could call, you could cold call these people. Right. And, they couldn't call you out. They couldn't call like couldn't call you buff. They couldn't like say it was bullshit. When you right. would call when they when he said like oh when when he made that call, that call um it's his Aerotime this cutting edge company out of the Midwest awaiting patent approval on radar detectors. You, the, the guy would have been like all right what, what, what's their fucking website? You couldn't do that right. right. So, but this was like the like you know five years later you could. So yeah. this was like the, like this was like the last chance to make as much money as you can to spend, like to scam as many people as you could, because people were doing it for decades, mm-hmm. right? And like I'm sure people still do it, but like um, that, I mean, to me that was one of the major themes. But also, I mean, another major theme was, like I said, from Jonah Hill from the beginning, if you want to, if you want to go after something in this world, you just fucking like, just go after it. Yeah. You hear what I mean? Like a lot of these kids, like you want to make money. Like you, you, you don't necessarily need a college degree. You, you find somebody who's good at what they're doing and then you see if you can get on board any means necessary and work hard. Yeah. And, and this, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to be this. Yeah. And, and this, this quote, this, this quote certainly doesn't come from this movie. It comes from the dark Knight from the Joker, but it rings true. And that's, if you're good at something, never do it for free. Uh, which which is something that I live by or try to live by of like, what am I good at? How can I make money from it? Um, so definitely. And, and I guess that, you know, you could go the, the general like crime doesn't pay type thing. And in a lot of ways, it really didn't for for Jordan. But he did come clean on the other side. You know, he he's able to, to not be in prison. And now he's just making speeches and going on film sets. So like he really didn't pay too much for what he did. <laughs> Let's face it. Oh, no, no, yeah, no, no, not nearly enough that he should have. Mm-hmm. No. He ruined yeah. a lot of people's lives for sure. He certainly um, did, and he's celebrated today. You know what I mean? If you know, it's not like 
it's not like he's like shunned from society. He's, you know, he's a well-respected guy. In we, we, yeah, we talk about cancel culture. I mean, Jordan well, Belfort, certainly, he certainly belongs in that category, I guess, but he certainly isn't canceled by any means. Um, but, but he explains uh, it. He explains like it's, um, I've watched a lot of interviews with him. And when he explains what he was involved in at the time, you, like I said, it comes back to like these kids being young. They were kids. You're not like fully developed when you're 26 years old you're still like pretty young you know i mean it's um he said he he um equated the whole scenario with like um dipping your like, foot into like very hot water you right. know what i mean it's like at, at first you're gonna be like oh that's hot i'm gonna you know you're gonna like you know i'm not gonna do that i'm not gonna scam that person and then you do it a little bit you know and then you do, you do it to people who like we're just gonna do rich people only like they can lose money you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and then it, but then it just gets out of control. Like, I don't care who it is. Get them on the phone. We're taking everybody's money. Yep. You know what I mean? So it's a, but it, you get carried away with it. And I think even good people can find themselves in bad scenarios and do bad things. Yeah. Like you definitely. can't judge everybody and be like, oh, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have got a hooker. I wouldn't have scammed people out of this money. You don't know. You haven't been in that situation. And like, and you know what? I mean, these kids are young. It, it can, it can, I could see that happening. I mean, it, it doesn't even make him a bad person at the time. He does some really bad things. And he probably does regret it all, you know, but I mean, it's, I mean, we'll see. I mean, he, how much money did he actually give back to the people who screwed over? I mean, he said, right. he yeah. And at the same time, like, I feel like he spent it all too. What's he going to get? Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I mean I. I don't know him, so I don't know what he regrets and what he doesn't regret. But him being on right. the set and like helping them out, I probably probably got a high off of just remembering all the shit he did. Oh, I'm sure. Um, you know, just just from whatever. But anyways, Jordan's out. He's free. Good for him. <laughs> but that was the uh, that was the Wolf of Wall Street. We had a lot of fun talking about it. Let's talk about what's coming up on the show. Uh, the next episode after this will be Requiem for a Dream, and that'll be with a new guest, Mike Monzit. I'm excited to have him on the show. I'm excited to. Well, I'm, I don't know if I'm excited to watch this movie again. It's not a movie that you just like want to watch all the time. No, <laughs> but um, that's going to be coming up soon. And then if you are following our other podcast that me and Gia do, the greatest album of all time podcast, we uh, recently just released "Wish You Were Here" by Pink Floyd from 1975. Check out that episode, mm-hmm. and uh, we have more to come on both shows. Um, so keep listening everybody i want to thank my cousin anthony wozniak for being on the show anthony oh, thanks for having me i mean it's such a pleasure <laughs> i mean we've been we've been we've been movie lovers ever since we were like we would talk about movies the second we were at you know family parties when we were like 10 years old you know what I mean? so it's yep like... yep <laughs> absolutely and, and we have a bunch more that we're going to do together and uh let's keep that going it'll be a lot of fun and uh so thanks for listening everybody um if you recall correctly i am the big deck Boski. And I am Gia Bowski. I'm sorry. You need to work on you. We need to work on your nickname. Well, you have to give me one. I can't no, no, no. come up with that. I'm the Bowski. I'm the Bowski. You need to come up with a different Bowski. <laughs> I'm the dude. <laughs> but uh, thank you for listening and uh, sell me this pen. <laughs>